found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Regarding last week's episode, I do want to say that I am very aware and mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. I called Hedwig he throughout the entire segment, and I want to apologize for that. Also, one key piece of information that I forgot to include is that the soldier that Hedwig falls in love with is an American. Today we're going to be talking about a film that you've probably heard about called Parasite. Yeah. And the rise and fall of Katie Hill. So Parasite, we saw it last night. And wow, that was a ride. Yeah, I was fully surprised throughout. The director's name is Bong Joon-ho. And he's South Korean, very famous director in South Korea. I had seen another movie that he did called Snowpiercer, which is something of a futuristic, a bit of a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. And I was expecting that element to be in this film as well. And it really wasn't sci-fi at all. No, there was nothing uh, unworldly. You didn't have to suspend disbelief. No, it was a little too worldly. It was all real. Yes. Well, just as an intro, and we decided that we're not going to spoil this film and ruin the surprises for all of you who might see it. There really are no surprises. Just so you know. There are surprises. No, we can't tell them that. No oh, there are no surprises. surprises. That's right. There are no surprises. Well, there you go. Bong Joon-ho is someone who specializes in class struggle. That is his oh, yeah. real dilemma mm-hmm. that he deals with. Mm-hmm. And so this is about two families. One is very poor, mm-hmm. living in a leaking basement apartment, mm-hmm. living as on the edge as you could possibly be and still survive. Right. And another family that is living in the most luxurious way that you could imagine. Yeah. They live in a house that's, that was built by a famous architect. Famous architect. And so it's historic and it's, it's architecturally noteworthy. And it looks like a museum inside. It's it does. It's gorgeous in a, a kind of austere, I was going to say it's very way. cold. It's austere, but I love it. I would love to live in that house. I love that it's look. Really beautiful. That real simple, clean lines like that. It was. It's a little too uncluttered for me. Yeah. There's a little too yeah. museum-like. Mm-hmm. It's a little antiseptic, which yeah. probably was on purpose. Yes. And what's interesting is these two families end up in a relationship with each other. But I would say that the poor family is not without its flaws. No. And the... Rich family is not without its attributes, positive attributes. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, You're having I'm a being very trouble guarded. With that. <laughs> no, I'm just being guarded because I'm afraid I'll reveal too much. I don't know. I thought both the, the rich family and the poor family had their pluses and minuses. I know in the first, yeah. first part of the film, I was really put off by the poor family because they were so such shysters and grifters and manipulators. Yeah. And there's all these things that I just do not oh, interesting. approve of. Oh, I was, I was with them all the way, but oh, yeah. probably because I'm a grifter myself. I, <laughs> I didn't like how they were playing on the trust. And this all happens at the very beginning of the movie, so it's, this is not yeah. a, a spoiler. But I didn't like them. I mean, I liked the movie, but as characters, I was not rooting for them. I mean, I was admiring how resourceful they were in manipulation and extorting money out of people in a way that made them seem perfectly innocent. But I was mad at them for playing on their feelings, you know, like the rich family had the son who has kind of a learning disability. They don't exactly define it, but he's 
he's troubled in some yes. way and he needs special care or at least they think he does yes and one of the poor family members that goes in and poses as someone who can help i think she really plays on the mother's oh yes sense of sadness and inadequacy of her yes. own parenting very so, true so i wasn't really i mean i was rooting for them in a way because they're the underdogs but i was also like oh i hate when people lie to manipulate other people like that but you could easily turn it and say well what about the upper class people who are manipulating people all the time all the in time. their daily life and it's just a natural part of life and they're probably some are even oblivious to it like that woman yes. of that family the mother she was oblivious to how her class status actually played a part perhaps in a different kind of manipulation of yes. people that she'll never meet that's right so nobody's blameless the thing that i had trouble with as far as the poorer family the kims the rich family's name is Park or Parks. That's right. The Kims, in their manipulation, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but they make sure that certain people lose their jobs. And that, to me, was difficult because right. they were shoving people out who suddenly became, now that these people, this Kim family, had jobs, mm -hmm. they were creating poverty for the people whose jobs were lost, one in particular, which I won't go into, who you knew was going to struggle mm -hmm. after that, mm -hmm. and that things would probably not go so well. So, I mean, one of the things that we you mentioned when we were parting was you said, well, who's the parasite? Oh, right. Who's the title character? Who are the parasites? Sites, and yeah. I think that is an open question. An open question. Yeah. Because the rich family depends on other people to take care of their needs. Right. The wife is completely inadequate in any kind of yeah. domestic right. skills. It, yeah. As a filmmaker, I'm thinking he's done a good job because he doesn't take a position for one side or the other. And he shows what I'm thinking now. It didn't hit me last night when we were watching. But you could say, well, you have that upper crust and they seem so impervious and so untouchable and so fortunate. Yes. And we just wish we could live like them. And then you see the grifter family grifting other lower class people. So, I mean, you could look at that as... That's part of what yes. our class system does is it pits people at the bottom that's against right. each other. That's right. So they become their own attackers. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. And that's part of how the system perpetuates. You could put two American families right. in that same situation. Yes. yes. And it would work just as well. Right, right. Maybe that's why it resonates and people are into it too, is that the, the wealth disparities that we're having now are just off the charts. So yes. I think we, it's, it's apparently wider and more extreme than it's ever been. Well... South Korea's economy has taken off in the last couple of decades mm -hmm. in a way. It was very impoverished for many, many years. Right. And suddenly there's this wealth that has elevated, obviously, certain people. I mean, one of the very interesting things is there's a scene where the Kim family has to run away from the house. They run literally down flights and flights and flights oh, yeah. of stairs. That's and you symbol. see it so clearly yes. how they live at the bottom of where all of the rain gathers. Right. And didn't he say there was a short film after the film that, where they interviewed the filmmaker? Didn't he say something about it being vertical? This film being vertical? Did he use oh, that yeah. word? Yeah, he did. And that's it. And he talked about how he likes to storyboard everything. So he clearly had this visual image yes. of the upper and the lower yeah. and the, the strata. And the performances, I thought, were amazing. They were really good. And as we're talking about it now, I'm starting to like it even more because of what I said before. Pardon me for repeating myself, but I think 
how he managed to portray all these characters, and not I anyway. I wasn't necessarily rooting for the ones below or the ones above. Yes, yes. It was just they were all part of this fabric that was so sad yeah, and so, point. so painful. And one of the things that is so interesting is this one child is very disturbed mm-hmm. and keeps the family out of their in- equilibrium in the in the Park family, the richer family. And you see the the mother's distress, yes, and having feeling no control over yes. this child who needs a special care, and simply she cannot reach him. Right. And so the Kim family is actually very cohesive. They're a very That's cohesive right. family. They are. And they love each other and they accept each other. They are. They're supportive of each other. Yes. I hadn't thought about that. So they have something that the other family doesn't really have. That's right. They have a kind of bonding that the other family lacks. They do. So mm. for all of the money that they have, the husband and wife don't seem to have that kind of special bond. There's not a connection. That's what makes them so easy to manipulate is they end up... Oh, in their own They're able worlds. to let some of their former employees... They don't have the sense of loyalty. They don't have that sense of connection that the poorer family had. Well, even if they do, and in, in one case they did, mm-hmm. but they were able to disconnect very it easily easy from to that. manipulate them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, just one little episode, and that was the end of that. Well, and the Kims knew the park's weak spots. Yes, and, they did. I mean, they just went right for them. They did. It didn't take them it any didn't. time at all. Well, that's what a good grifter does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> So I don't know what else there is to say about it, except I have heard that this is going to be an Oscar contender and that it is probably very high up there as far as its its possibilities. Yeah, it's unique. It's got its own flavor and its own tone and its own sort of universe that makes it stand out, I think, from other films. It's not formulaic really in any way yeah although i said last night it reminded me of two films it reminded me of shoplifters yes because you have yes. the same thing of the lower class family that was very tight yes even in their squalor and misery and it reminded me a little bit of get out but i'm not going to tell you why it reminded me of us because there was the the people who were on the upper side and the people yes. who were down below yes that's right that's and right. So it, that came kind of flying well, back. And I think, too, that's what makes it a rich movie to see because that symbolism is so powerful and it can mean a lot of things to different people. I mean, he said as, that his movie was about class difference. And so that's what he made a movie about. But it doesn't stop me from seeing a movie that has to do with maybe the people down below represent the unconscious and the people up above represent the conscious yeah. and how we Sweep subject those it, people yes. at our at our peril. Or it could be about sexism. It could be the people up above represent the male and the people below represent the female and how the, as a uh-huh. culture, as a Western culture, we've, we've subjugated women in a way that has not been healthy for any yeah. of us. Yeah. So you can, because it's about this vertical placement, you and can read a lot into it of your own stuff, yeah. or almost whatever you like. It is that rigidity mm-hmm. that has something to do with how each set of people is in their own box. Yeah. Their own trap yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. It is a story about verticality. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. Which it sounds is. so dry, but it's not. It's fascinating when you see it. <laughs> it really is. And yeah. I, I would say, see it for the performances too, because they're great. Oh, yeah. And one of the interesting things about this film, if it were to win an Academy Award, mm-hmm. the only foreign language film that I remember winning an Oscar was Life is Beautiful, the Italian film. What about the French one, The Artist? Did that win? Oh, you're right. But that was a silent film. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's true. I think that did win. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. But yeah. it was it was made in France. Right. But it was a silent it film. It was silent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think now it is time to go on to Miss Katie Hill. Katie Hill. Here's what I know about Katie Hill and what led to her demise. But we should say who she is. Oh, oh you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, you go. Well, I don't know much about her. I know that she was one of the new Congresswomen that came in with the blue wave in California in 2018. I believe her district was north of LA, like Santa Clarita, up there somewhere. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I have a friend who lives in South Pasadena who did a lot of work for helping her to get elected. And my group canvassed for her regularly. Yeah, my friend Dublin too did a lot of work for her. Yeah. Even after the election, he was up there doing like rallies and things to kind of support her. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was one of the good guys. She came in to shake things up and help, yeah. help the blue wave kind of do what it wanted and needs to do. She was considered a rising star. Right. I think she was... 30 or 31 when she was elected. She's 32 now. Right. She was in Nancy Pelosi's leadership committee. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she was seen as somebody who was really on the, on the comp. Yeah. 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 So she took a seat away from Steve Knight. Right. Who was a Republican congressperson. Right. And she became embroiled in a scandal that also seems to have become a crime, not a crime of her doing, but... She was openly bisexual, was one thing. She was married to a man. And the two of them became involved in a sexual relationship with a campaign staffer. I think her first name was Deborah. Her last name was Desjardins. And the staffer was 22 years old. She was fresh out of college. Hmm. And Katie Hill was, uh, I believe, 30 at the time. And her husband is three to, three to five years older. So they became involved in this relationship, which only ended recently. This was before 2018. This is no? before 2018. Okay. It was while the campaign was going okay. on, while all of us were canvassing. Right. I, I didn't canvass for her, actually. <laughs> I had to choose between one Katie she and another. She was north and you went south. I, I went to Katie Porter's territory. <laughs> so... What apparently happened was her husband became convinced that she was involved with not the staffer, but someone who was actually on her staff, a campaign finance advisor. And he became insanely jealous that she would have an affair with this man. Now, Katie Hill has absolutely denied having any kind of a sexual relationship with... With the guy on the staff. With the guy on the staff. But now you were referring to the woman as a staffer as well? She was on the campaign. Campaign staff. The reason that's important is that just, I believe it was a year ago, Congress passed a law that forbade congresspeople from having any kind of romantic or sexual relationship with people on their staff. Right. And this man was on her staff. There's no actual jurisdiction that the Congress has. Right. As far as the campaign worker. Oh, right. They can't police campaigns. Right. When the person who's running right. hasn't yet become a congressperson, right. they don't have any jurisdiction. No, over them. but it still would be an employer-employee kind of. It would. And there was a set of, I believe, 700 photographs along with texts that were released through, I believe it's called Red State, a Republican website, yeah. I think. And they didn't 
publish all of them at the same time, but it was damning enough. Now, Katie Hill believes that her husband was the one who who fed these to, yes, mm-hmm. to Red State. And as it turns out, two people who were also involved in disseminating this information were campaign staffers for Steve, Steve Knight. Knight. Right. That's come so, out more recently, I yes. think. Yes. So that's right there. That's questionable. Mm-hmm. My feeling is that Katie Hill was guilty of having this affair with this campaign staffer. My daughter pointed out that it was a woman, and that hadn't actually occurred to me. Right. The, the sex of the person hadn't occurred to me. It was the fact that she was young and she was a subordinate. Right. And that in the end, it turns out that this young woman, Desjardins, felt exploited by Katie Hill and her husband. Right. So... The thing that was a crime was the cyber, what did they call it? Cyber... Porn shaming or cyber... That the, you mean that the husband did? Because the husband did, yes. I'm forgetting the term for it. Yeah. And it's, she said it again and again. Right. But putting the photographs up right. for all the world to see, and some of them were nude, some of them were Katie right. Hill in a compromising position with a campaign staffer. Right. And that is an actual crime in both California and Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. So I don't know that it's been proven that it was her husband who did this. But there's now an inquiry that Katie Hill did not wait for. She didn't wait for the inquiry to complete. So, what is the inquiry happening with a law enforcement agency or with the Congress? It or? was with Congress. Okay. It was a Congressional Ethics okay. Committee, I guess. It was a committee. Everything's a committee right. in Congress. And that may be ongoing or it may not. They might just decide that since she's vacated her seat, right. there's no reason to continue on investigating. Mm-hmm. And so my personal feeling is that Katie Hill created a situation for herself that was like compromise, where she could be blackmailed. Right. And she was. Right. And there's all kinds of issues that I know other women have talked about where they feel that she was cyberbullied. I'm using the wrong term for mm-hmm. it. But that this was done to her because she was a female. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Duncan Hunter. Right. And all of his exploits. He's also a congressperson from California mm-hmm. who has had multiple affairs. His wife has stood by him. He used campaign money to have these trysts. Right. And he's still in office. Right. Emily Bazelon from the Political Gab Fest said that Katie Hill had gone through a trial by media, which I think is really a very good way of putting it. And Katie Hill decided to step down because the elements of this were just getting beyond anyone's control. And she saw that it was not going to abate, that it was just going to become a distraction for her. Right. So that's what I know about Katie Hill. Oh, that's a lot. And I don't know if her career is over. She may be a phoenix and come back. Right. Steve Knight has talked about running again. And George Papadopoulos. And George Papadopoulos, that's a joke. Let's hope that's a joke. There already is someone very, though, dynamic. Yes. Yes. Who's poised to run in her place. Yes. So that's encouraging. I don't know I can't believe that that neighborhood, things are really shifting. Just like Orange County has gone under these amazing transformations. Incredible. Because Lancaster and Santa Clarita and Palmdale, that area was extremely right-wing yes. when I was growing up. It's considered a suburb. Yeah. And it's considered part of the suburban shift away from Trump. I guess so. And that a lot of it was a protest vote. Do you think it has antics. a larger Hispanic community than it used to, who, who tend more towards Democratic? Or are things just shifting across the board? I don't suburban know what the voters. makeup of that yeah. district is. It's interesting to me that she won at all and that there's someone else ready to 
run it again. Yeah. I only know about the new one. Christy Smith, is that it? I think that's right. Because she slammed Papadopoulos when he said he was going to oh, run Oh, yes, there. I heard that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't think he has. Now, wh- I, here's a question, because I just hear the story in broad strokes and I haven't really zeroed in. When the story mentions, when you hear about her on the radio and they say she uh, had a sexual relationship with a staff member... Are they talking about the campaign staff yes. person? Because there was, uh, you said there's also a guy on her yes. congressional staff that she was accused of a relationship she was for, but of, she's denied it. She's denied it. So they're not pushing that one. No, they're okay. not pushing that. No, that was the thing that apparently sent her husband yeah. over right. the edge. Right. But there's just not been any real reportage on yeah. that as far as whether there's any truth to that story. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting as more stuff comes out. Just the story alone, aside from the politics, I find it interesting about it is you have the young woman staffer who apparently was upset in some way. And um, we don't know what happened. Maybe she felt abandoned or rejected or who knows what. I think she felt exploited. What happened was Katie Hill at some point in the not-too-distant past said to both her husband and to the young staffer that she was going to end her marriage and end the relationship Okay. because it was distracting from her work. And she basically just cut them both off. Okay. And there were texts that went back and forth from the staffer to the husband where the staffer said right. she was still in love with Katie Hill and right. was having a very hard time getting over it. So there's that. That's hmm. very, very problematic to me. So I think that on that basis alone, her judgment is very much in question. But, you know, you forget. It, because of the affair with the young woman? Yes. Yeah. But she was 32 years old. I mean, I didn't right. exactly have my head screwed on completely right Ooh, at 32. Right. Well, it's the weird thing, too, about how, um, well, it's so, it's new. For women to be in that position. This is the first one. They passed the law. Yeah. And the first person to actually come up against it is a woman. Yeah. I don't know. To me, there's something a little uh, hard to take that, that a woman who's done something like that has to resign or a guy can defy it. Yes. Although we, we were talking earlier today about the article in Politico that part of it is generational. That right. they think she's just the first of a slew where this is going to happen more and more because of cell phones. Because we live online. <laughs> we live online and we live with these cameras that are always right at our reach. And there, there's a certain generation That's right. that has no problem photographing themselves in compromising positions. Because they do not have a sense of what privacy means and the value of it. And it's interesting because, you know, you think about Anthony Weiner and his exploits right. and where they landed him. That's right. He certainly had to bow out of his yeah. before Yeah, office. maybe his was the first, really. Maybe he was a precursor to what happened to Katie Hill. I don't know. The thing with Katie Hill... But his was this... obviously more overt and, yes. and more disturbing. Yes, and there was a teenager involved. <laughs> right, And right. his son was also in bed with him while he was have, making these overtures mm. to this teenager. Yeah. So that was bad. Right. But I think she would have been forced out anyway without the rule because of the Franken phenomenon, which is Democrats feel obliged to appear above reproach. Yes. And they... We try to walk the walk. Walk the walk. And so, you know, we just don't tolerate it because we don't want to be harmed as a movement and as a party. Yeah. And there's question about whether that's good or bad, whether we should have full investigations before an action is taken. I think we should have had an investigation. The inquiry should have gone through. Yeah. Because at least it would have answered the question of, did she have the affair with the campaign financial advisor? Mm Mm-hmm. Or 
exactly how did these photographs end up right online? I mean, yeah. who, who disseminated them in the first place? Yeah. I, one thing I think, I have, just as we're talking about it, I'm thinking one good aspect of this sad story is that it has opened up the door to the public about, to our culture, about women being sexual beings. Yeah. And the difficulty yeah. Yeah. in our culture that women have had around that. That is so They've true. Been, put in these boxes so uh, true you know what is it called the the madonna or the madonna whore yeah you have these two options yeah Yeah. you know and god forbid you should present yourself as a healthy female animal which we all are as humans um with healthy sexual appetites yes well and our culture is so against that but maybe we move forward in that regard maybe so i i i don't know i don't know how this i just think there's so much more to shake out from this right. that we don't know what it's going to be at the right, end. Right. We just can't, we can't say. We have to wait for the TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime. <laughs> Lifetime. I will come back. <laughs> this is perfect for them. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're going to end things there with a big question mark on the Katie Hill story. More will be revealed. More will be revealed. We'll have to revisit this in like six months. I think we will. I yeah. think that there will be, there will be more to talk about then. Definitely. Very cool. Anyway, thank you for following us, dear listeners. Thanks, boomers. And we will talk to you in a week. So long. Bye-bye.